Bro, I be telling you, bro, she spray, spray gas on the stage. She hella funny, bro. Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie Foster. Catch her on the stage, yeah, you know she's a monster. Hair done, nails did, always looking so proper. She the real deal like some homemade pasta. Everywhere she goes, she flow like the water. And she's too hot for y'all, unlike your mama. Always cool, no need for drama. She spit straight gas like a petrol llama. Straight gas like a petrol llama. Well, hello there. Aren't you looking mighty fine today? Oh my God. Welcome to Petrol Llama. This week I interview my second mama, Paula. Um, you're just going to love it. She's known me for a long time. She's known me just as a wee little one in San Francisco all the way up until now. And she's just wonderful, has lots of advice, and is super candid. Okay, guys, enjoy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I I just did a Peloton. I stink. So it's a good thing this isn't like smell of zooms. <laughs> but I uh, I didn't even do a horse bath. Well, I just put clean underwear. That is honestly more than most can say. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today, P? I'm good. Are we good? Just do, we should just do it. Yeah, we're just going to jump in. I'll do a little intro later. Um, <laughs> that's how good you're doing? Just a head shake? I've got like 12 Mexicans out on my deck um, working on, I'm doing a whole remodel on this bottom floor of my house. So it's like I get to watch these Mexican guys like... Uh, they just had their lunch. So the problem with doing the Peloton right next to where they're doing their lunch is they bring their own microwave. And so like, I get to smell all their foods while I'm trying to cycle and not gag. What did they make for lunch today? I believe it was something that involved maybe, um, carnitas and frijoles. Okay. Wow. Are you, uh, um, fluent in Spanish? That was excellent. Uh, only when I was drinking. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Thank I can you. speak so many languages. <laughs> I even make up new languages when I'm drunk. Yeah. And you think you were so cool, so smart, and so like, and that nobody notices. No, it, <laughs> it's so apparent now. Hindsight. Isn't it? Like now when I'm around drunk people, I am like, you're slurring your words. And you have repeated that story an upwards of eight times now. They're it's just, they're just boring. They're intolerant, <laughs> um, self-absorbed, all, all the, all the things that I was and can still be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, if no one knew, Paula and I are both sober. Paula just celebrated 10 years of Ooh. sobriety. Look at this. Look at this chip. Oh. It's Rosie the Riveter. Cute. 10. My sponsor also gave me one. Um, and then another friend showed up in her mask. My friend Cheryl on my birthday was Saturday. I think it was Saturday. Yeah, it was 10 years. So she comes running down the driveway. She gives me a chip. 
I got one from my sponsor and then I bought this one for myself. And you know what's so cute is like, well, and they gave me a mug because you know, as reformed alcoholics, we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> so much coffee. Um, coffee. My daughter said, my oldest daughter said, mom, the, um, I would love one of those chips. And I said, you would? And she goes, 10 years is a big deal. And I said, I know it is, but I never know like how they feel. Yeah. And um, she said, no, it's really a big deal. I would love one to wear one on as, a, you know, on a chain around my neck. I'm like, you would? Good. You know, what's wild is I never, I've never not known you sober. And I was thinking about that today. So I got sober in 2011. When did you move to San Francisco? 2012. Oh, so I was fresh. A rash. Yeah. You were less than a year when I met you. Do you remember the first time we met? Did you come over for dinner? I came over for brunch. Um, my grandparents were in town, Leland and Joyce, and they were staying with you. Um, and I had just thrown a massive Halloween party at my house the night before. And I was like still buzzing from all the drunks or drugs and drinks I had had. <laughs> I was just like trying not to puke at your table. I just thought you were mentally ill. <laughs> well, that too, but yeah, <laughs> another mentally ill girl in my life. What was your first impression of me? I just remember dark hair. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, adorable, vibrant. I mean, I'd already heard a little bit about you from Maria, who is my oldest friend. Yeah. She's my middle daughter and she's my oldest daughter's godmother. She and already kind of gave me the heads up and said, She's my aunt, by the way, everyone listening. <laughs> she goes, Steph's moving to, Stephanie's moving to San Francisco. You guys would really hit it off. Um, and I'd love for you to meet her. And I thought, great. And so I don't think you were, I don't know. I My memory is shit. I just remember, I thinking you were mentally ill. knowing like you had a long list of health issues as well. Yes, I definitely did. What, what kind of mentally ill did you think I was? I think it's just, how old are you now? 33. 33. So my oldest daughter is 26. So I don't know, just that whole like millennial self-absorbed, um, yeah. And that's not really mentally ill. That's just annoying. That's like a <laughs> that's just like a generational gap. I do remember too you being overly um, gracious, like just you're a people pleaser, right? Like yeah, making just trying to make a real effort mm -hmm. to be liked. And I thought that was sweet for a while, and then it started to bug me because <laughs> I could see right through that shit. Yeah, you can. And you would call me out on it. And sometimes I would be like, oh, no one in my life speaks to me this way. Why does she talk to me this way? And then I loved it. Oh, sorry. Sorry about the hammering. Oh, no, it's fine. I've got construction outside my place too. So okay. got to keep natural. people employed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing the Lord's work. Well, you couldn't have been that annoyed by me because you asked me to watch your children 
and your home and your pets. I think I was so desperate. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, oh, well, she seems responsible and she's quote, you know, family. So I, so I'm like, here, do you remember what the three, do you remember what the three, uh, the, the three rules? Make sure my daughter doesn't have sex. Don't have sex in my bed. And what was the last rule? Um, don't fuck in our bed. <laughs> don't kill the dog and don't burn down the house. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I believe the first rule was a little longer. It was don't fuck in my bed because I'm not. And so no one else should be able to. (laughs) Ooh, that is, you went straight to it, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's going to have sex in my bed if I'm not. I just remember that being like the first time that I was like, oh my God, who talks like this? I love it. Somebody who grew up in a place where nobody would talk straight and no people tiptoe. And I, and I just, I think that was another reason get like getting sober is I just couldn't keep up that dance any longer. I don't have time for it. I want to know where I stand and I want you to know where I stand with you so that we could either get along and, and do, you know, and, and maybe be pals or, or not. So I just, I don't pussyfoot around, you know? Yeah. There's no time to. I get this a lot. I appreciate your candor. I hear that a lot. So I'm like, oh, that means I usually take that as she's kind of a bitch. (laughs) I get the same thing, but um, I just appreciate how direct you are. I'm like, yeah, why would you not want me to be direct? I don't understand the benefit of that. I got that feedback. This is amazing. So in one of the agencies I was working for, I was like, I think that we should have a better way for the younger people in this agency to be able to give the leaders of the agency feedback. So I put together this whole feedback system (laughs) and then I was the only one to get feedback about them. That is such a millennial like thing. Um, it's because the millennials, like you guys, you'll work in a job for what, like eight months. You want a seat at the table. If you don't get one, you're like, I'm out of here. Yep. And that probably serves m- most of you. I'm general. I'm such a general, you know, I'm totally generalizing, but it's like served so many of you well, because being in the Bay area, especially, you know, 10 years ago, tech shit was going nuts and you could bounce around. Yeah. But I know because you worked for my husband's company for a while and he had a hard time keeping keeping people because they would stay for a bit, get what they need and move on to the next gig. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Because there's so many people doing the gig economy anyways. And for us, that's like, instead of us constantly having to please our bosses and show our worth over and over, the company has to do the same thing, or there's plenty of other options to go to, which is night and day different from how my parents think about work. It's like you stay with a company and you build throughout that company and you rise through the ranks and that's the glory story, you know, but I don't, I think for me, 
I quit jobs so often, I had to start calling it freelance. <laughs> I would seriously hit this nine month mark. And I was just like, I can't with these people. And I still am friends with all of those people. P.S. You hired me to do the greatest gig I've ever had in my life. What, babysit my kids? No. Oh. Love them, but no. No, okay, good. You hired me to roast all of my old bosses at their holiday party. Oh my God. That was, you were drunk too, weren't you? I didn't drink before I drank afterwards okay. and then I got drunk. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I remember that. You were wearing a white, <laughs> were you in a white suit? I was in a white top, black pants. Um, you look gorgeous. Yeah, that was, that was really, um, that was so much fun that night. Do you regret hiring me? <laughs> no, not at all. I thought it was brilliant and I wish we could have gone longer. Mm -hmm. And I think the roasting uh, was pretty brilliant. Thank you. Spot on too. It was so much fun. Yeah. I actually still watch that video when I'm like trying to ramp myself up for a show and feel good about stuff. Oh my God. I told, I, I yeah, I'd love to see that. Um, do you remember? Okay. There's a couple things too. I hope we'll touch on. Well, I'll just go right there. Yeah. Okay. When you worked, when you worked at, are we saying the name of the company or what? Nah. Okay. When you worked at that place. Yes. Uh, every Friday people were <laughs> for bringing <laughs> breakfast. This was, this made me, this is, this is like people pleaser. This is why you're mentally ill. <laughs> you were supposed to bring uh, breakfast and um, you, you would probably tell the story better. Um, but I just love the fact that you were on your way to, to bring breakfast going off Polk street, went to Bob's donuts. No, did you get hit before you got the donuts? Yeah, I got hit before I got the donuts. That is commitment. So Steph was on her walking to go get donuts at Bob's donuts on Polk street, which is the best donut the best the best and got hit by a car <laughs> like Rolled. hit by a car in the way where i kind of woke up on their windshield hit by a car <laughs> was it was it kind of slow motion honestly i think i just was in shock you know, like I remember being like on the hood of their car, my shoulder hurt so bad because it went into the windshield and I just got off the car and started walking as if nothing happened. Like I was a superhero and every car in the intersection stopped. Everyone jumped out of their cars and we're like, oh my God, are you okay? Sit down, sit down, sit down. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Have you ever heard me say that before? Oh, I'm fine. It's great. Um, and so, yeah, I just kept walking around the corner, went to Bob's, grabbed hella donuts, called an Uber, went into work. Dude, there were probably like junkies on the corner going, what the fuck just happened? I want what she's on. <laughs> yeah. Look at that bitch. Shock is a weird thing though. It was, I didn't feel any pain. I just I was like, what was I doing before that? Oh yeah, I was getting donuts. I should get donuts. I'm going to be late to work. Mark and Ben are going to be mad at me. I have to go get donuts. 
Yeah. When I heard that, cause I think you called me from, you went to the hospital or something. Yeah. So when I walked into the office that morning, I was holding two boxes of donuts and apparently I was shaking so bad that the front desk person was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I just got hit by a car on the way to work. (laughs) And Ben sprints out of his office and he was like, what did I just hear you say? And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Here's breakfast. And then I think I started to like nod off and Ben was like, you should go home. You should go to the hospital. So I did. No head injury. I had some bruised organs and <laughs> Jesus. Organs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm totally fine. Um, mentally ill. Do you remember the agency wide controversy you started? I vaguely, re- I vaguely <laughs> recollect that I, I sent my husband into a fucking, he was, a, he was having a stroke literally like all week. His face was getting redder and redder and redder. Yeah. I remember you want to, um, you want to tell the audience about that doohickey I'm responsible for. Yeah. So Paula came by the agency, I guess it was after hours sometime. And she thought that she'd leave a cute little note at my desk. And the note said, you have a hot, sweet Texas ass or something like that. Yep. <laughs> so I walk into work on Monday and yeah, I- Yeah, but there was another note. What did it say? And I think that's what freaked you out was, I'm watching you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I get in on Monday morning and I see these two notes on my desk and I'm like, oh my God, we don't have HR. Like, what? what? who do I tell? And so I just went into Mark's office and I was like, I don't mean to be difficult people pleaser again. Um, (laughs) but I got these two notes and like, typically like, you know, me, I can take a joke, but this is, um, very concerning. (laughs) So he pulled in all the leaders and was like, did anyone do this? Blah, 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 blah. How did you finally end up telling him by the way? I think it was Thursday night because this must've happened Monday. So it'd been brewing and he doesn't tell me shit. You know, he just, yeah. he just stresses. And then I think Thursday night he goes, Oh, I'm, I have a big meeting with the, um, with the team tomorrow. And I said, why? He goes, Oh, we have a total HR nightmare. And I said, well, what happened? You know, I sit down, snuggle up next to him and he goes, somebody wrote some notes and put them on stuff. And as soon as he said, somebody wrote some notes, <laughs> were you like, Oh, <laughs> and he goes, what? And I go, um, he goes that was you and I go yep and he goes oh fuck I'm so relieved and then he said that's actually really funny I (laughs) but he needed time to be able to like let that sit in but he goes that's brilliant but also there was the other guy who was working there too and nobody liked him and they put a note on his desk saying you're a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a whole bunch of notes going around. That's why it was so wild because there was already a note party happening and you just participated without any background whatsoever. This is why I don't work in an office. <laughs> well, you did work in the office. You had your nonprofit office in our office. Yeah, but I needed to be told, I needed someone to work with me, um, to give me like the rules of behavior in an office because I didn't really, I worked for Mark twice when I was, did? 
Yeah, I got fired both times. <laughs> yeah, your daughters got fired multiple times. Yeah, they got fired too. <laughs> They're terrible. Charlotte got got in trouble because Ben asked her to clean out the microwave and she was like, fuck you. <laughs> and then Sandy asked Georgia to be work the front desk and answer all the calls. And she just kept her headphones on and like listened to music and watched YouTubes and like <laughs> or signed packages. So she, she lasted two days. Yeah. We're terrible. Uh, I will work. say I hired B not for Mark, but at a different company. And she was wonderful. Oh, she's a good worker. She's a, she, she's a people pleaser and, um, and also has a lot of learning stuff going on, like learning differences. So she's super scrappy and very, um, tenacious. So yeah. she is a good, she's your best bet. She was great. She was great. I mean, that was the best part was the relationship that I formed with B when I hung out with her. Yeah, she, that was very sweet. She she loves you. Hmm. I love her. She's and wonderful. now you guys have the same hair. I oh. know. We didn't even text about it. We just knew. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, B's the best. She's so smart. Like wise beyond her years. Like I have never seen a human be before. She broke up with her boyfriend in high school because he couldn't give her what she needed. Like she was able to articulate that. <laughs> I barely can articulate what? that now. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's pretty incredible. I mean, she was an awful child. Um, <laughs> my drinking really escalated during her early years. She was awful because she, she couldn't communicate what she needed, which is ironic that now she's like able to yeah. say, this is what I need. But as a child, she couldn't do that. So she was always just throwing fits or breaking shit or kicking things or banging her head against the wall, like anything to just, she was so frustrated. And now I have so much, you know, regret or empathy for just like that kid really just wasn't understood. Yeah. I had no idea she was like that as a child. That seems so polar opposite to the bee that I know. Yeah. She was a monster. She was a monster. And she always had like matted hair and like she had eczema and one eye seemed to always be swollen. Oh, she'd have a fat lip and a black tooth from like falling. Yeah. She was kind of a mess, but adorable. Yeah. All of your daughters are beautiful. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you made half of them. I did. Um, okay. So talk to me. I am obsessed with shame booth. I think it's one of the most brilliant mm. ideas of all time and really, really beautiful, but what inspired you to do it? Like, how did you think of it? And also maybe tell everyone what shame booth is. Okay. Shame booth is an interactive art, kind of an experiment or a social experiment. And it was inspired by a bunch of things. One, growing up Catholic and having a horrible experience in my last time I went into a confessional um, where I was date raped and told the priest, and I didn't know that that's what it was, but I told the priest that I had had sex for the first time. And he said, you've committed adultery. One of the commandments, you know, he just gave me a bunch of like bullshit to make me feel shame. So I was like, okay, fuck the church. 
yeah um, the idea about a telephone it was a bunch of things it was like the confessional it was a telephone it was um Brene Brown just a whole bunch of different things and I thought wouldn't it be cool to have this this activity this experience where people could walk into this booth close the door pick up a phone and leave a message about what they're ashamed of mm. kind of started started from there and then the first few recordings we were we got people were leaving like super vulnerable yeah they took it really seriously one guy that really um we did it at a, at a recovery event mm -hmm. and um because there's so much shame and stigma about people who are in sobriety and trying to get sober and because they're because we're supposed to be anonymous, mm -hmm. people don't find us. Mm -hmm. So what happens is your idea of what a junkie looks like is not somebody who's a CEO making you know, you know, making money and addicted to painkillers. It's the yeah. junkie you know on the streets in the TL watching a girl get hit by a car. <laughs> um, so, so I, I was getting so into this whole idea about shame around recovery and, and, um, and I wanted to be part of this organization to just have people talk about their sobriety mm -hmm. and the shit they did that they're ashamed of that they did while they were drinking. So one dad, his share was so beautiful. He said he had missed, he'd been sober, I guess, eight years by the time he went into the booth, but he said he had missed his son's baseball games, he would drop them off at the games and then go find a bar or a liquor store and buy booze. And then by the time he goes to pick them up after the game, um, he'd be loaded and he missed, you know, one of the sons would say, dad, did you see me hit that run? Or did you see me, you know, make that catch? Nope. So he, so he said, now he gets to, you know, show up and be, you know, a really good dad, but that kind of struck me. So we knew we were onto something and over the course of three years, we collected a thousand recordings from different events. Wow. Pride, um, been to Pride a couple of times. We took it up to a new moon festival at the top of a mountain in Yosemite. That was, I didn't go to that, but apparently that was crazy. Yeah. Like giant cuddle pit of um, teddy bears. There was definitely some sex and molly going on up there okay so i've heard of this thing where you can like go to cuddle parties have you heard of this yes i don't think that i could personally do that if i'm I, gonna go to any party like that i want to actually have sex yeah <laughs> i would be so much more apt to go to an orgy than i would a cuddle party yes which is wild right i know what does that say we are less afraid of sex than we are intimacy. That's pretty true. Yeah, it's hundred percent true for me. You know, and that's weird coming from women. Normally, women are like, "Oh, it's all about the cuddle." Um, yeah, but I only want to cuddle with someone like. This is going to sound so weird, but I only want to cuddle with someone safe. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. What do you think about us not having, which I think is kind of cool, you know, except for people who are locked in, you know, nursing homes or old people who haven't been able to get out for almost a year to hug people. I think about that 
Like, and you know, even in your day-to-day life pre-COVID, you'd see someone that you just saw the day before and you'd be like, oh, hi. And you'd hug them. It's like, so it's going to be really different. I don't know if I'm, how do you feel about this new way? Like when things open up about hugging people and being really, we get to be super selective now. Yeah. I'm a huge hugger. And so the not getting and giving hugs has been a real issue for me. Um, and also like, I feel like it's really going to depend, right? Because I've been doing comedy shows and afterwards everyone's like, wants to come up and say, Hey, or like shake your hand or all of those things. And I feel like, where are you doing comedy shows, dude? At like outdoor venues, like at the park and they have little bubbles for everyone to sit six feet apart. Like at the park, like what park? Like, I don't know what parks are called. I'm new to LA. But it's like a legit comedy thing. You're not just like standing. No. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. It's about half a block outside my apartment. It's the closest one. And I just start yelling my jokes. I love that. Uh, But you just started comedy writing. How's it going? How do you feel hard. It's so hard. I thought it was going to be super, not that I thought it was going to be super easy, but it's a different way of, of. I don't know. It's weird. Like I've done, I've done improv. I've done, um, and I'm pretty funny. You're hilarious. You so, actually know that you're the one who convinced me to do stand up, right? Um, okay. When you make it big and you will, Stephanie Foster Cho. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't forget the little peoples. Um, uh, no. So I figured it's like, I signed up for the comedy thing. You told me about it. It's something I always wanted to do. I've wanted to do it since I was little. I would always do impressions of Carol Burnett and Lily Tomlin. And, um, but it always became this thing that there's no way I would ever do it. Why? Because I would have to be loaded. Why? Because I felt like prior to getting sober that I'm only funny when I'm fucked up. Mm, yeah. And that's not true. I'm probably less annoying sober, you know, like, yeah, you're funny when you're fucked up to yourself. Yeah. One of my comic friends said, I'm just as funny. I'm just not annoyingly loud. Oh, see, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you don't take, you can read a room. Yeah. When you're sober. Yeah. And, um, so it's something I've always wanted to do. And I think being sober 10 years and being in, like back to Shane Booth is I went to a really fancy art school and, and then I got married and started having babies. So the idea that I would never be able to stand up and say, I'm an artist mm. was always another like hidden thing of shame. So when Shane Booth kind of came into the world, I was able to say at 50, I'm an artist. Yeah. And that felt a little nervous at first because it seemed so foreign, but then, then now I'm like, oh yeah, I am. An, and it's like, yeah, I'm an artist, dude. And then the la- the other thing I really wanted to do was stand up comedy and I have nothing to lose. I have, I am not afraid. I have, n- it's just, it's harder than I thought. And the classes, 
some of the people in the, I just thought it would be laughing all the time. Yeah. And the first few weeks, it's not about being funny. It's about the writing and the premises and the topics. And so it's so much more formulaic than you think it's going. Yeah, to be. it is. And I mean, the best way and the most beautiful way I've heard describe a comedian described is someone on the debate team that you actually want to hang out with. So they have a strong point of view. They're educated on that point of view, but the way that they're going to share it with you isn't going to be the annoying person who just talks facts at you. They're going to present it in an entertaining way. Yeah, that's so true. And that's the whole thing is like, do you believe this person and are they likable, right? In, yes. And are they owning a part of their, of whatever their point of view is, or their, if they're judgmental or if they're, you know, whatever characteristics that they have, are they, yeah, just likable. And because so many comedians, well, first of all, it's all, it's, it's a world full of just white dudes yeah, who make dick jokes. And it's so funny because I gave you shit. I'm like, what's with the dick jokes? You're smarter than that. Yeah. And now I have a dick joke in my, <laughs> in my comedy class. And I said in my workshop group, I'm like, I feel like everybody does dick jokes. And I just feel like, I feel like it's such a loser having to do this dick joke, but it's low hanging fruit. And then it was like, oh, there's. That's a joke within and itself. That's a joke right there. So yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this one dick joke. It's pretty funny, but. The way I like to think about it, because I kind of came into comedy and I was like, so many women just do sexual humor and people are laughing because it's so crazy when a woman uses swear words and I'm not going to do that and blah, blah, blah. And then I had someone tell me like, okay, I hear you. Maybe don't do it all sexual, but also how many times do you think about sex a day? It's okay to joke about it. Like just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you can't do it in a new and different way. And it is something that women think about. And it's still taboo to say that out loud in 2021, which is wild. Yeah. Women are not allowed or, or not, it's not welcome. They're not well, you know, they don't want to hear about. No, you're supposed to be demure and pure and just, you know, so dainty. Dude, I'm going to be ripping it with my 55-year-old vagina jokes. Yes. I cannot wait to go to your showcase, by the way. I'm not telling you when it is. Well, I'll ask Jerry and he'll tell me. <laughs> Are you not going to invite anyone? I'm a little, I'm on the fence because I can't invite my family. Yeah, I get that. I'm saying some things that are... <laughs> controversial controversial you know we'll at home literally <laughs> to be ex-wife of a guy and um something humorous about him what does it feel like to be almost single at this point in your life is that a question yes um it's kind of interesting a i've never lived alone ever mm -hmm. i went straight from home to college, to, to roommates and then getting married. So that's, this is pretty amazing being single or being, you know, we're still, we're not divorced, we're separated, but it's been almost nine months. 
to think about how much my life totally focused on him. Yeah. Even though I didn't think it was. Yeah. You know, people, because I feel like I'm, was an independent, opinionated, strong woman. However, I think I lost, I lost that over the years because I, 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 I identified myself as being part of this, um, joint relationship and not autonomous. And so, and I think I always was looking for his approval mm -hmm. and I think it's all some, some unresolved daddy issues too, but, um, he worked, he got to leave the house every day and I was, you know, home with the three babies and I didn't even like plan to have babies. It was just like one and then another and then another. And, you know, I definitely took part in them, you know, <laughs> thanks to booze. <laughs> um, and I think for, that was also another reason why I drank a lot too, is I was super, super resentful to be left at home with these three babies. I had big hopes and dreams, man. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had a kid in the front on a Bjorn, a kid on the back in a backpack and a kid in a fucking stroller. And I was pushing those kids around the streets of San, hills of San Francisco. And I was a bitch because I felt like this is too hard and I'm doing this by myself. Yeah. And when did this all happen? <laughs> like this was not the plan. Where did these things come from? What the babies? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, we were together for four years. I got married super young at 24. He was 27. He was kind of ready to get married. Yeah. We, I find this out, you know, later that I was not the best wife. I didn't know how to be a wife. I just, he was British. He had me at hello. Hello, babe. <laughs> um, you know, we had sex the first night and six months later we were married. Wow. I didn't know that. And I saw him three times. He was living in London. So I went to see him. He came back. It was a few, a few trips. And then eventually it was just like, Hey, do you want to get married? Um, and I said, I'll be right back. <laughs> So I went to the bathroom in the, some shitty coffee shop near the just near the justice building or the um, federal building in Chicago where we met. And I came back and I said, okay. And basically it was about, I just wanted adventure. Yeah. And excitement and getting away from my, you know, family in Texas who were just seemed super boring. Like, you know, yeah. In Texas, I just wanted excitement. And so he was that he was going to give me that, but I don't think I, I think, I think it was like when I had our, we had our first baby, I was like, I go, okay, I guess I'm in this. Yeah. I guess we're really doing this. How long were you guys married? Well, we're still married, but it's been 31 years, 31 years. Dang. But that, I mean, in my mind, it's a success, right? For sure. It's not, oh, well, it didn't last until we both died or one of us died. So blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I like some of my shortest relationships meant the most to me just because of who I was able to be and showed up and how much they taught me even in a short amount of time. Um, do you see it that way? That's an interesting question. I mean, I've learned a lot. He's been my greatest teacher. Um, hmm. I mean, I feel like it was a success, you know, 
And some people at this stage of their life, they just stay together because it's too, it's too difficult to like extricate and untangle and the finances and all of that. Like, well, why don't we just live separate lives and go about our, you know, do it, go about our own way. But, and it was his, it was his call. Yeah. And he wanted out or he just wanted a break. He wanted to find joy. I guess he was looking for Maria Kondo or something. Yeah. Okay, and he found her in Santa Barbara. <laughs> Joy, Cassandra, Tiffany, whatever. Um, <laughs> dude. So I was take I was shocked and surprised because I think I think I can say this here because no one's gonna ever listen to it. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> do you know, like I've never been the one to have someone break up with me. <laughs> oh my god, you were undefeated before now? Yeah. <laughs> My last relationship was the first time someone broke up with me and not the other way around. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me, excuse why I'm great. Like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Oh, was that a blow to the ego? Totally a blow to the ego. He did it in couples counseling on a zoom call on our anniversary. What? <laughs> Man, I got to hand it to him. I think wow. it took him so much courage because this is a guy who does not like confrontation, you know, that he was able to sit through that and tell me. So I was like, later, I was like, you know what? I said, I'm proud of you. I said, it took a lot of courage and guts to do what you did. And he goes, yeah. really? I go, yeah, I took balls, dude. Yeah. Um, it's hard to break up with someone. It's really hard. So I can't imagine after 31 years. What's it going to do? Send me a text. It's over. I'm moving to Santa Barbara. Oh God. So, so yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's over. The kids are still hoping that we will reconcile, but I think that they're, the longer it's been happening, they're kind of starting to see that, you know, I'm, I feel like he did, he did for us what I could not do. Yeah. And I love him for that. Mm -hmm. And he was my soulmate and he was my person, you know, yeah. for 31 years. And now we still get the opportunity to find something else mm -hmm. elsewhere. And maybe we will come back and, you know, grow old together. There's, there's, you hear stories like that all the time. Totally. So I don't know, but I just feel like I'm, I'm open to what's next. And, you know, I work with this, my friend Retta, she's a astrologer and I've worked with her for about four years. She actually was help, helpful in bringing shame booth, shame booth to light with me. But also in the last few months, she said, you are due for a sexual awakening oh. and this is going to be something that defies social norms and get ready. So I was like, what are you talking about? Because I, I used to believe I wasn't, a, I wasn't into sex. Yep. We had I, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I had the same fear, but mine was specific around after getting sober. And part of my journey getting sober was me realizing I had never had sex sober. I was always on something. And I think for me, that was because my first two 
sexual experiences were both rape by two different people. And so at an early age, I learned to exit my body for that because I just couldn't be there. So then when I got sober and I was like, cool, let's do this, met great guys and just had no desire whatsoever. And I was like, oh shit, I'm asexual. But we've righted that wrong since. Have we? <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing when we have trauma and like where it goes in our body and the story we start to believe is that, well, at least for me is like, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. I'm not sexual. I'm and or maybe I'm a lesbian because I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with sex with a man or really more specifically with the same man. Yeah. So what is that? And then realizing, oh, it's just, that's not the, that's not true. I am a sexual being. It just, I needed to do some work first and then kind of be able to like, let me out of my cage. Totally. And now it's like, um, maybe you need to go back in the cage for a minute. (laughs) Can you imagine? I was thinking like, if it wasn't a pandemic, I think I would be such a Oh my God. The pandemic has saved us from being a whore. My other theory about the pandemic is it's actually pushing men more towards commitment than they've ever been before, because it's not just like party city. There's a different thing. Oh my gosh. I won't be able to go. They're like, you know, it'd be nice if I wasn't eating dinner by myself tonight. You know, it'd be nice. Like I have found men in LA are like, let's go do these weekend trips and let's go do this. And I'm like, what? Since when? Since when are men wanting to be, I don't know, like coupley? When are they wanting to cupcake? Not mine. (laughs) (laughs) He went the other way. Um, Although he might be coupley with somebody. I don't know. Good for him if he is. But yeah, it's funny. It's, It's like the whole status about, you know, men um, you know, it was always about how much money they have, what kind of car they drive. And now it's like, do you have land and yeah. can you hunt because it's end of days Yeah, and civilization as we know it is over. <laughs> Paula, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but we're almost out of time. No. Yeah. Wasn't that- what else, what else do we need to cover? Well, I have to ask you the same questions that I ask every guest. And all I ask is for your honesty, even though that seems dumb to ask Let you. Me put on oh my my <laughs> okay. What, by the way, before I jump into these questions, you always have the sickest costumes, the sickest fashion. Like where did this start for you? Started when I moved to Dallas and um, every, all the kids had money and we didn't. So I had to like be thrifty. Mm -hmm. So I would make my own clothes out of like garbage bags. And then I would go to Goodwill. That is amazing. And what would we call this hat that you're wearing? Well, it's kind of Gumby-ish, but the guy who makes it, he's this really incredible, he makes hats for Billy Porter. And am I I supposed to know who Billy Porter is? He's the guy who played Kinky Boots and he's also in the super queenie black guy with the gorgeous teeth. Yeah. Um, and I think he makes hats for Pharrell anyway, 
Do I? I'm Pharrell. Okay, great. This is the perfect question to ask. When is the last time you've shit your pants? Like literally? Yes, yes, literally. Oh my God. I think last week. <laughs> okay, what happened? Well, I changed my diet because um, I couldn't shit. I, like I'm, I would go like, maybe go, sh I'd shit like twice a week, you know, for years. It's probably another reason why I was such a bitch. And then, um, well, another reason why he needed to go find joy because his wife is a bitch because she doesn't shit. So I changed my diet because I was eating Susie cakes, ice cream or Susie cakes out of the garbage and having all this eating disorder shit. So I decided, okay, I need to change my diet. So I did this crazy prolon thing that Gwenny P does, uh, you know, lifestyles for rich white ladies. I, I'm drinking her Kool-Aid. So I, I did this whole fast. Then I just ate plant-based foods and then realizing, oh my God, like I am back to, or have normal poops. Oops. My fecal, my, yes, my fecal habits are quite good. So then uh, last week I had, it was a little bit too much. I think I ate too much kale and it just, it's like, you know, the sharding. Where did you shard though? I know in your pants, but where were you physically? In Tahoe. <laughs> and what, what's hard is like, I was out walking, hiking, and I typically will poop outside now. Like, yeah, why not? I don't, I'm not going to use a public bathroom. And so I just typically just drop my pants, but it's really hard when they're kind of like yoga -y pants. Yep. That's very messy and hard to clean up. What in nature do you use as your toilet paper? Leaves. Leaves. Okay. That or a sock. Excuse me. Bridget. Okay. Or a sock. Oh. And then you just go without a sock for the rest of the time? Sure. If I'm on, a, it's usually because I'm on a hike and yeah, I'll just take the sock and then bury it <laughs> because I don't want my dog to go get it because my dog likes to eat poop. So. Yeah, same. My dog likes to eat the cat poop. That's that sounds like that's a good cycle. It's too much. Um, okay. Thank you for sharing that. We love that's you. one of your fucking questions. Right? Well, it's just such a like level setting question because everyone has shit their pants as an adult. And our bodies are weird and they betray us. So <laughs> it's Word. good. Um, so a lot of people talk about how shitty 2020 was. What's one good thing that came out of 2020 for you? My husband left me. <laughs> I'm serious. And why was that good? Expand. Because I couldn't do it for myself. I just thought we were going to stay in this kind of like arrangement and I would be miserable, but I would be able to go on trips and he would be miserable and he could just watch TV and maybe have a dinner together here and there. But I just... I feel like it's the worst at the, it was the worst at the moment, but hindsight, the best thing that has come out of that. I love that. Is the end of this, the end of a marriage, but also this new chapter. Yeah. I cannot wait to find out what your sexual awakening is. Oh, mm, that's have you found out yet? 
Well, at first I thought I was just in, I was going to do the, just women. And then I did that. That was great. But then I was like, no, I think I, I, I don't think I'm, I think I'm, I am open to connection. It, it's all about energy. Yeah. Like I'll fuck a midget. <laughs> He's got a good personality and have like, you fix some shit. No, but I did get invited this one, he wasn't a midget, but he was quite small, diminutive guy, uh, Welsh guy. He was really into spanking. So I, I went to meet him just because I'm going to say yes to things. Yeah. It was a little too weird. How long did you stay? 30 minutes. I felt bad for him. He's talked about being depressed. And, and then he said, well, are we going to do this or not? And I'm like, mm, I don't think so, but it's really nice to meet you. I didn't <laughs> want to be, a. I didn't want to like, I'm new to this whole thing, right? Yeah, you're also not people's therapist. I'm not people's therapist, but he cuts his own hair and his feet weren't touching the ground on the park bench that we were sitting on. He was kind of swinging his feet back and forth. I'm like, this guy's little. I could put him in my pocket. Did you know how little he was before you met him? I did not. Did he lie on his dating profile? Yes, he did. They usually lie. If they don't tell you the height that they are, or if they say 5'11", they're lying. Okay. How would you feel if someone lied to you about their height? Is that like a deal breaker or do you get it? Just don't lie. And also if you're going to post stuff up at your profiles, dude, enough with the baseball caps backwards <laughs> True. and the drinks and the baggy t-shirts, you're a grown ass man, put a shirt on with a fucking collar and take a picture of yourself outside of your bathroom or your car. Yeah, I'm so sick of the gym selfies. Or oh. like it's a nature photo and they're like this fucking big in it. And I'm like, great, you have six photos in all. It needs to show you, not nature. I don't care. I don't care. I need to see your face. I need to see your face. And then don't show me like a hot ripped torso and then go, I'll send you pictures upon request because yeah. that's also, I found somebody who didn't match once he sent me his face i'm like mm, it there's didn't no way <laughs> yeah lying. it's like give me a break i don't like it it's like a hard no for me have you been catfished yet does that mean where someone tells you that they're oh and actually go to meet them yeah no that's only happened to me once and this guy he said he was 38 um told me to meet him at this bar so I'm sitting there and um, this random guy comes up and he's like, hey, uh, and just starts chatting me up. And he's like, I was like, yeah, I'm waiting for my date to get here, blah, blah, blah. I mean, mind you, this guy's like in his 60s. So I'm not thinking anything of it. And then after talking to him, he was like, oh, I guess you're getting stood up. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Oh, well, it was nice to meet you. And he was like, I'm actually your date. And I just wanted to show you that we could get along in real life before you judged me by my age. And I was like, I don't like being lied to. Or Did you say this? Were you actually able to yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I don't like being lied to or tricked into a situation of any kind. I'm a grown ass woman and can make decisions without a test scenario, if you will. And then he was like, well, what I'm really looking for is someone to spoil and to give my money to. And I was like, all right, that was my drink. You can pay for it. I got to go. <laughs> oh, I thought you would say like, oh, well, in that case, wrinkle <laughs> dick. 
<laughs> Give me that wrinkle dick. Wrinkle uh, dick. <laughs> wrinkle dick here, wrinkle dick there. Guess whose rent is paid? <laughs> Sorry, I just came up with that all on my own. Good. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Do something every day that scares you a little bit. Mm, I love that one. Whatever that is. So if it means you're really shy, mm-hmm. talk to somebody, say hello to somebody. If, um, yeah, like you're not, you don't feel good going on a hike by yourself or whatever it is, do something that makes you feel a little like a, a little tightness in your chest but not in, not to do it where it's unsafe. Yeah. So tightness in your chest, maybe not tightness on your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I I started surfing at 45. Hell yeah, you did. I never thought I would surf, you know, and I'm not out at Mavericks, but I can get up and ride a wave. I cannot wait for you to come to LA. I'm going to come to LA when it is more people die. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. I love it. Okay. Last question for you. Yeah. Why am I single? Why are you single? Yeah. I don't think you've been able to show your real self yet. Mm. Cause I think you're still getting to that place of who you are. Yeah. The LA thing, the actor thing, the comedy, you're doing some stuff, you know, you're changing up your hair color. Like you're, you're still figuring out who Stephanie Foster is. Yep. And I think that is, that's the beautiful thing to watch and whoever uh, is out there for you, you know, Mr. Or Mrs. Stephanie Foster. <laughs> is um you're not ready you know like you're still you're still figuring it out and i think that when it does happen it's going to be it's going to be incredible yeah you might even turn your hair back to brown i'm actually going to start working back to a brown this was the last full bleach actually that, that color looks pretty good yeah but I like you with, I think you are just more beautiful with dark hair. I've heard that feedback from a lot of people. I mean, do you feel like you had to do that because you moved to LA? No, I did it before I would knew I was moving to LA. Well, I know, but you were gearing up to move to LA. Yeah. I don't, I've always wanted to do it always. So Mm -hmm. it just felt like in the pandemic, I was like, fuck it. Why not? It looks like it's in good condition. Do you feel like you, people treat you differently too? Did men look at you different? Yeah. You know, what's wild is I have these dark ass eyebrows and what like guys I've gone on multiple dates with, uh, they'll see an old photo of me and be like, you're not a blonde. No guys are dumb. I'm like, you're not smart. (sighs) Okay. Do you have any friends? No. (laughs) 
no friends. Do you have any friends that are making anything, selling anything, do any cool things that you want to give a shout shout to? Oh my gosh, yes, Retta Roland. She is doing astrology stuff. And it's not like she's not like dressed like Stevie Nicks, you know, burning sage. She went to graduate school. She has an MBA. She worked in corporate. She's a she's genius. So she um reach out to her redderoland.com. I just love her and love what she's doing and it's this whole idea about understanding your astrology and like how you relate to other people and it's super helpful especially in um like workplace environments. Yeah. I learned a lot. We did a we did a session with our team um at Shane Booth and it was just really helpful to understand like people's ex- language and what they need and how they ask for it. And if you could understand that better, you can have a better working team. Yeah, you can speak in their language. Will you yeah. spell um, the website out for people who yeah, don't? RH. It's not Greta. <laughs> Just like people call her Greta. It's Retta, R H E T T A, Roland, um, R O W L A N D dot com. Well, I'll also throw that in the description of the podcast for anybody else who wants that. Um, Paula still going, but you know, um, we're talking to somebody about creating an app thinking about it because we have a hotline number 888 shame line, but nobody call, nobody calls the hotline. Yeah. But you also haven't done any promotion for it lately. No, I haven't done anything since um, July, June 1st, actually, because uh, my husband left, my, my mentally ill daughter is living at home right now, trying to get her better. And I realized I'm tired of talking about shame. Um, I want to talk about the freedom and what comes after the release of shame, which is freedom, which is what I'm experiencing. And we're going to see what happens next. Amazing. Paula, thank you for being my second mom. I love you. Thanks, Petrolama. <laughs> this is the fucking weirdest thing ever. And I yeah. love it so much. You're the Petrolama mama. I am. <laughs> asking me to be here. It's been such a treat. And I've been um, dying to have you on. I love it. I will. I'll see you later. Hey, love you. Love you, girl. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bruh, I be telling you, bruh, she spray, spray gas on the stage. She hella funny, bruh. Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie Foster. Catch her on the stage, yeah, you know she's a monster. Hair done, nails did, always looking so proper. She the real deal like some homemade pasta. Everywhere she goes, she flow like the water. And she's too hot for y'all, unlike your mama. Always cool, no need for drama. She spit straight gas like a petrol llama. Straight gas like a petrol llama. Straight gas like a petrol llama Straight gas like a petrol llama She spits straight gas Like a petrol, petrol llama